Hello, everyone. This is Greg Drevenstead, Editor-in-Chief at Writer Magazine and your host for the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast. Our guest today is Michael Locke. Michael is the CEO of AMA Pro Racing, which includes American Flat Track, as well as top-level hill climb, motocross, and ATV race series. Michael is a longtime veteran of the power sports industry, and he's held executive positions with Honda, Triumph, Ducati, Lamborghini, and Think Electric Vehicles. Michael, welcome to the show. Greg, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. So I know you oversee several race series, but today I'd like to talk about American Flat Track. Uh, dirt track racing has a long history in the US. Uh, there have been legendary rivalries, motorcycles and racers, iconic tracks like the Springfield Mile. But under your leadership, flat track racing has undergone a major transformation and an explosion in popularity. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I mean, I think, uh, I think most people have heard of flat track. Um, you know, the sport is, um, the original uh, American motorcycle racing format. And it went through a real golden period in the 1960s and 70s, spilling into the 80s. But, but a lot of people will remember that the greatest asset that Flat Track had back in those days was a gentleman called Kenny Roberts. And Kenny went on to become the first American superstar of road racing. Um, uh, competing in a Grand Prix and winning it. And he really was the, the standard bearer for the way things were going to go because there was talent coming behind Kenny. Um, Freddie Spencer, uh, uh, Wayne Rainey, Eddie Lawson. Um, the, these guys were all flat trackers, um, but they got lured away by the glamour and the money uh, and the uh, fame and fortune of road racing, and that really was a bit of a body blow for flat track, um, because when the stars go, um, the manufacturers go with them. If the stars and manufacturers go, the money goes with them. So, so we had this implosion in flat track. It went from being the number one motorcycle sport into becoming uh, yesterday's motorcycle sport, and that got considerably worse <laughs> when motocross developed and, uh, and spawned supercross. Um, so we had lost all the road races and we started losing the dirt guys. So we went into a, a bit of a recession in this sport for uh, 20, 25 years. And it's only quite recently that uh, our owner, Jim France, who is uh, chairman of NASCAR and a amateur a flat tracker from his youth and a passionate, passionate supporter of the sport, when, when Jim purchased the rights for uh, pro flat track um, he started to think what could we do to modernize the sport and make it relevant for a new generation and he hired me and i had a look uh, at uh, 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 at the situation and i felt that the sport was amazing the flag to flag action is as good as anything you will see in motorsport worldwide it is if you've never been to a flat track race the first time you go you find yourself are gasping for breath because you can't believe how fast they are and how close they are to each other and that they go flying down a start finish straight and then suddenly pirouette into a corner without the aid of brakes um to most motorcyclists this is this is wild um and it is wild so the problem was never the sport the problem was that we had somehow lost touch with the outside world and or had become overlooked or forgotten so um that the project has been to repackage and modernize the sport, communicate it in new ways, open the doors to new fans, 
get the manufacturers back in, not only playing on the track, but promoting the sport off the track. And, and that's really what we've been preoccupied with for the last um, well, nearly six years now. Absolutely. So I know in 2017, um, that was also when uh, Indian came back into the sport. You know, I know that in the first half of the 20th century, uh, Harley Davidson and Indian were two of the biggest rivals in terms of sales, engineering and racing. And then after World War II, Indian went out of business in the early 50s. And my understanding is that without the support of Harley Davidson over the years, flat track may have gone away, but they, they supported the series for a long time. But then when Indian came back with the support of Polaris and then they had a race team and now we've got a, a classic rivalry, but there's also other manufacturers. You've got Kawasaki, you've got Yamaha and so forth. So tell us a little bit about the manufacturer involvement. Um, you know, some things happen by judgment and some things happen by luck in life, right? Um, we were we were planning um, and uh, creating the framework for the series to bounce back in 2015 and 2016. And we received a call from Indian. Um, and bear in mind, going back six years, Indian was a much smaller brand um, uh, than it is now. You know, they've really grown in the last few years. But back in 2015, they were looking for a way for their brand to make some noise um, and to establish their engineering credentials and their performance credentials. And the, the retail landscape uh, uh, for motorcycling in the US is somewhat complicated by the fact that uh, a lot of the big brands, a lot of the powerful brands um, have exclusivity in their retail environment. Very difficult for Indian to compete against Harley Davidson when you can't get in the dealership. Um, right. So they were looking for different ways to um, compete against Harley who have dominated um, the space, not only on the track, but have dominated the space uh, in the retail market for, for decades. And so they approached us and said, we'd like to go flat track racing. Um, can you guide us through what we need to do um, uh, to get there? And frankly, we didn't need to guide them very much at all. They were more, more, than, more than capable. Um, and the bike they put together, in many respects, is paying homage to what Harley Davidson did in the early 1970s when Harley introduced the XR750 that is the definitive racing motorcycle. I think it's the most successful racing motorcycle in any discipline of all time. No doubt. And, and, and Indian learned from that. And they said, wow, clean sheet of paper, design a racing motorcycle to go uh, uh, round dirt ovals as fast as humanly possible and as easy to ride and control. And so they developed the FTR 750 and debuted it in 2016. Uh, right at the end of the season um, and then uh, came in with a full factory team and, and, and support teams in the, in the paddock in 2017 and they've really not looked back but for us in the series it was a great opportunity to show that there was modern investment in the sport by manufacturers that they were prepared to put their name on our sport and that might not um, automatically seem like a big deal to a lot of people but it really is that when motorcycle manufacturers are prepared to invest hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars in a sport, it is that they trust it. Uh, they trust it to deliver on its promises. And, and we were uh, uh, you know, very conscious that we had to do that. And it, and it created this romantic um, story. America's two most famous motorcycle names 
um, uh, produced by multi-billion dollar companies in adjoining states at the top of the Midwest. Um, and then doing battle in our sport was perfect. It was a story that I knew from the beginning we could take beyond the hardcore flat track fans. The Indian versus Harley is an American story. It's not even a motorcycle story, it's an American story. And we, we took that story to the most weird and wonderful places all the way from GQ and the Wall Street Journal to, to Forbes and the New York Times. We, we told that story coast to coast. And, um, uh, and I think it was, it was really one of the um, pivotal parts of our strategy early on to create some momentum for flat track. And it, it worked, it worked for us. It worked for Indian. It actually worked for Harley as well. You know, you, you create a lot of noise, everybody wins. Absolutely. Well, you know, that's the thing, as you had said, you mentioned Kenny Roberts, uh, you know, Eddie Lawson, some names like that, you know, because of the history of flat track, uh, dirt track racing, you know, names like Gary Nixon, uh, Mert Lawell, he was in On Any Sunday, that really showcased the Grand National Championship Series. Um, you know, racers like Jay Springsteen, Scott Parker, Chris Carr, people that have been just, you know, true icons in the sport. And now uh, you've got uh, more modern racers. You've got, you know, you've had Jake Johnson, Brad Baker, uh, Jared Mees, uh, Briar Bauman. I mean, also, you know, the, the Indian series, or the Indian team, it, they're called the Wrecking Crew, but that was what they were called, you know, decades ago. It's, they, mm -hmm. There's a real rich history there. And uh, so tell us a little bit about some of these sort of modern rivalries with not just manufacturers, but racers, because you've had some of these top level guys that have won uh, a lot of races, a lot of championships. Um, yeah, it's, um, it is part of that rich tapestry of the sport. You're absolutely right. But um, uh, since I've been involved in this, I've learned a few things. And one of the most powerful things I've learned can be summarized in a, in a small story. Okay, so here's the small story. Um, our NBC uh, cable show, the American Flat Track Show, which uh, highlights every round, uh, gets an audience of somewhere between 250 and 300,000 viewers, okay? Which for, which for us is great because you multiply 300,000 by 18 races, and suddenly you've got over 5 million pairs of eyeballs looking at a sport, which, which in the motorcycle world is very significant. But let me put it into context. We get 250 to 300,000 uh, viewers per show. You ever heard of a, um, a show on TV called American Ninja Warriors? Absolutely. You heard of that? Yeah. So it's amateur Joes like you and me uh, who get fit and get motivated and throw themselves over water obstacles and things like that. It gets 750,000 viewers for amateur dudes. And why does it? It doesn't relate to anyone's real life. They're not professionals at it. Um, they're not world famous, but it captures people's imagination because you get to know the people. You connect with the people and then you connect with the sport. And I've learned this during this time at American Flat Track, that uh, aside from our hardcore fans, you know, who can tell you who won the championship in 79 and by how many points and who's the all-time winner on miles, you know, bless those people because they've kept the sport going through tough years. But there aren't enough of them for us to scale it and 
and, and gain enough revenue for the sport to be able to secure its future. So we have to go wider than that. Well, the way you go wider is you touch new fans in different ways. So um, I'm delighted to say the raw ingredient in, in uh, Flat Track, the, the Raiders, and their partners or their parents or the crew chief or the sponsor are awesome characters. <laughs> they have not been media trained for the last three decades in order to never say anything interesting. They're quite the reverse. They are kids who uh, more often than not hail from small towns across America that you and I have never heard of. Well, I've heard of them now because I know the kids. <laughs> right. But, but whether it be, um, you know, the third or fourth generation rider out of a family in Southern Illinois, or whether it be uh, four zip codes in Eastern Pennsylvania that have produced a bunch of riders down the years, or whether it be the Michigan chapter, it doesn't matter. It's, these are intriguing stories. And, and I think we live in a time in the 21st century where people are searching for something new something that's not too packaged, something that's not too professionally put together. People want to see real life. Um, it's why reality TV shows, which of course ironically are not that real, but why reality TV shows are fascinating to people because um, it looks like quirky, imperfect people going around doing exciting things in their lives. Well, look, we're heaven sent. Our guys actually have talent. They, they do something that the vast majority of the population couldn't do if they tried, is uh, put a motorcycle at speeds over 130 miles an hour on dirt with no traction, round and round and round and not fall off. Um, they do something special, but they are special as human beings because like the rodeo, they are an American tradition um, and there is fascinating subtext. So, um, you know, you've got guys like Jared Mees, who's our most successful current um, rider, who's a multi-time champion in Super Twins, um, who's been knocked off his perch for the last two years by the up-and-coming kid, um, Briar Bauman. This is an awesome story, right? Because here we are in 2021. What's Jared Mees going to do? Briar Bauman's won the last two championships. Uh, and I wouldn't say um, with ease, because there is no ease, but he's clearly comfortable on the bike. The setup's good. He knows the tracks. He's got high self-confidence. And yet there's Jared Mees, who's a decade older than him and has done everything. Does he go gently into the night? Does he sign off gracefully? No, there's absolutely no chance of that whatsoever. <laughs> he's, he's, been, he's been training over the winter, a bit like Rocky did in Rocky V, you know, when he had to go to Moscow. And he's out in the snow pulling logs. Well, actually, Jared Mees is down here in Florida. There's no snow, but you get the drift. Is that he's laser focused on getting the crown back. This is awesome storytelling for us. Awesome storytelling. And there are subtexts. So the subtext is that right after winning his second championship uh, in October last year, Briar Bauman skedaddled up to Pennsylvania to marry his long-term girlfriend who's called Shana Texter, who is the Red Bull um, uh, KTM factory rider in the singles class. And she is the most successful singles rider in the history of the sport. And she's a woman. 
no special classes for women, no patting them on the head or or patronizing them. She competes against the guys, and she is and she is the best out there on a single. So these two got married to create a royal couple of uh, a flat track, exactly, uh, which is fantastic. Then you've got the Jared May story. Um, Jared married his long-term partner, Nicole, Nicole Chaser, who was a pro flat tracker and a very good one as well. In fact, if she hadn't retired, it would have been really interesting to see how she had done as the sport really picked up because uh, she's supremely talented. So look at these stories. I mean, you could tell this to, you could tell this to people coast to coast and they would be gripped. So it's an important part of the mix for us as the, as the series owner is not just to organize the rule book and book the racetracks, but to tell stories that grip people and, and get them to become fans in a sport in, 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 in a society where there are 400 channels on TV and there are probably 50 sports. You know, we're competing against everything from NFL to yachting. We have to be special, we have to stand out, and we have to do it more than just relying on thrills and spills um, flag to flag. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, that the talent that's on the track is certainly not commonplace, but these are everyday people. Uh, their, their stories are relatable. You know, Bronson's, uh, excuse me, Briar's brother Bronson races in the series as well. So yep. you've got a brother rivalry. They're on the same team. Um, so it's interesting. I'll just, you know, I live in Ventura, California. It's one of the few places in Southern California that still has a dirt track. It's actually right there on the coast, prime real estate. It's a eighth mile dirt track. And, you know, they do, they race both cars and motorcycles. So the car, motorcycle races are only a few times a year, but every time I go to those races, it's such a family affair. You've got yeah. moms and dads and brothers and sisters, kids of all ages on the bikes um, dads are in the pits, tuning bikes, you know, uh, everything. And so it's, it's like a, it's, it's much more like a family gathering. It's, it's very, um, uh, like I said, it's like going to a County fair type of thing. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's not, a glitch, it's not a glitzy event. So I can see how with American flat track being relatable to a lot of people, because they're not, they're superstars within their own right, but they're not superstars on a, uh, that puts them off in a distant plane yeah. where, you know, like a, like a movie star or a pop star. So that's great. Yeah. You're absolutely right on that, yeah. So could you give us a little bit of a breakdown? Kind of, I know there are several different classes within um, American Flat Track. Uh, there are different track formats. So for people that aren't really that familiar with AFT, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think at first sight, people can get their heads spun a little bit because it all looks very complicated, but it's actually not. Here, here's the pitch. We have three competition classes. We have AFT singles. AFT singles means they're 450cc single cylinder, four stroke engines in a motocross bike chassis. If you, you know, if, if, any, of, if any of your uh, uh, rider fans know motocross bikes, they know AFT singles. We change the suspension and we change the wheels, but largely it's a motocross bike. Um, they are incredibly well suited to, uh, to uh, uh, the AFT uh, format. And when we introduced that class in, in, um, in 2017, um, it was very interesting that people said, well, we can see they'll be good on the short tracks, and, but on the miles, they'll suck. They didn't suck on the miles. It's the <laughs> best racing you've ever seen because they draft, they drag each other along and someone will peel off into a corner 
but they'll go early. And the guy who didn't go early is just watching them and he will get a better corner momentum and come out flying like a slingshot. So, so we've got the AFT singles where the bikes are incredibly well balanced, which means no one runs off. It's about rider skill and it's about setup on the week. And um, uh, invariably you'll have six going wide into a corner and you may not know who's going to win until you've looked at the photo finish. So that's, that's what we call the entry class, but it's really, that's doing it an injustice. It is a support class, but it doesn't behave like one. We've got factory teams, factory supported teams in there. Um, I've mentioned KTM and Red Bull who, who support Shane Texter, and now this year they've gone to a two rider team. They've recruited a young Australian kid uh, called Max Whale, who's a real up and coming talent. And uh, I think he's certainly gonna worry the established riders this year. And to have a foreigner in there adds another little bit of flavor to it. Um, so that class, is, that class is awesome. And it's a breeding ground um, for a future talent for the larger classes. Then we have our mid class, which we call production twins. Production twins means this, twin cylinder engines, maximum 800 cc, and it's called production because the engines have to come from a street bike, have to be derived from a street bike. So uh, popular engines in this class uh, include the Yamaha 700 uh, parallel twin, uh, the Kawasaki 650 parallel twin, um, uh, and the Harley Davidson 750 uh, XG engine. Um, they can modify the engines almost infinitely, but only almost but they have to retain the original street bike crankcases. They can change almost everything else. And you might think, well, what's so special about the crankcases, right? Um, well, one thing, the a big difference between um, what an engine has to do in flat track versus what an engine has to do on a street bike. In flat track, it doesn't need to be low maintenance. It doesn't need to have huge long service intervals. Okay, like any, like any race engine. But in flat track, what you want is you want um, drive out of corners. And so you don't want a peaky engine. You want an engine with um, a big fat low end torque curve and you want very good throttle control for the rider because you make a mistake while you're going sideways, putting the gas on, on dirt. Any motorcyclist will tell you, yeah? Any of us who've ridden on a gravel road, yeah? You know what happens when you get it wrong, okay? Right. so. So you need, you need throttle control and you need an engine that is sensitive to that. So what you really need is a dirty, great big crankshaft <laughs> and you need to be able to put weight on it and you need to be able to make it lazy and have inertia. That's, well, street bike engines don't do that because you don't need that on the street. You need fuel economy, you need reliability, you want to minimize weight. So, so by having them retain the original crankcases, um, we are limiting how much that they can really transform it from a street engine into a race engine. So that's the production twins class. We do that as well to keep costs down. You know, once you get up to super twins, costs start spiraling because it's the best possible technology money can buy. But this has always been a grassroots sport with a real strong blue collar background. And we need kids to be able to go from a production uh, uh, motocross bike, which costs $10,000, up to the first twins class where maybe they're doubling the investment. 
Yeah, before they get up to Super Twins, where um, an Indian FTR 750 is fifty thousand dollars before you do anything to it. So, production twins, if you like, is a could be seen as a stepping stones class for future talent um, uh, at a lower cost level. And then there's our premier class, which is very easy to explain: Super Twins. Um, Maximum of 900 cc if you use a production engine, maximum of 750 cc if you use a purpose built race engine. Um, uh, uh, enormous amount of customization available in this class for technology for performance. Um, the best riders, the best crews, the factories, um, and the fastest, most technological motorcycles in the world for Flatter. Great. So uh... So we've got three different classes, like you said, kind of a stepping stone series where you can go from, you know, uh, you can, it's easier to be a privateer with less investment at the, mm -hmm. at the singles level. Uh, it's a little bit more of an investment for the production twins. And then I can see that it would be, like I said, a much bigger commitment to be in the super twins class. So you've got three different classes and then there are four different track formats. So you mentioned miles. Uh, I know there's half mile, short track and TT. Can you kind of give us a little breakdown of kind of how they yeah. differ? I mean, Sure. So a mile track is a one mile um, diameter uh, dirt oval. Uh, many of them are horse tracks, uh, usually what they call as trotter horse tracks, where the horses race with buggies, um, as opposed to a thoroughbred uh, horse track, uh, where um, generally speaking, the, uh, the dirt is softer. Thoroughbred horses break legs really easily. So they need a little bit of damping. <laughs> um, whereas the trotters, it's a harder surface, which is generally easier to use for flat track. So um, we have uh, usually between six and eight uh, mile uh, races a season, uh, and they're normally at uh, a, 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 um, converted uh, horse tracks. A half mile is really exactly the same, except in a half mile format, these tend to be dirt speedways. They would also be used for four-wheel racing as well uh, as two-wheel racing. Then you have a short track, which is a quarter mile. So um, it's half the size again. Um, and we have a couple of those on the, uh, on, on the um, schedule as well. And then a TT, which um, a lot of people would see as the anomaly. In a TT, in addition to turning left, which you do on the ovals, in fact, you only turn left, a TT has to incorporate at least one right turn as well and a jump. And for the 450s, the jump's really not that much of a big deal. I mean, they're motocross bikes after all, and, and we're not seeking to replace Supercross. Um, but for the twins, the twins are bigger, more powerful, longer wheelbase and critically heavier motorcycles that were never designed to jump. So. There is a technical challenge in terms of machine setup, as well as the technical challenge for the rider. And the TTs um, are a lot of fun. And ironically, we get our biggest crowds at TT events, bigger even than the miles, because sure. people are curious about it. Um, uh, typically, the TT uh, course length is half a mile, but it's kind of scrunched up. Um, it's not an oval. so. Um, they tend to be more intimate um, events where the crowd can really feel like they're on top of the event. And I, and I have to say, watching the twins jump is uh, is quite a spectacle. Right on. I mean, it's 
Like I said, the, the track that we have here in Ventura is uh, is one of these. It's actually an eighth mile. It's really short, but they also do a little infield section when they do these. Uh, and these are really, like I said, local race series. So I can see mm -hmm. it's fun to see the difference between the styles of racing when you've, like I said, going in an oval versus when you've got some turns and the jump. So uh, we're coming up on the, the start of the 2021 uh, season. It's going to be the Volusia half mile double header in Barberville, Florida. That's March 12th and 13th. So how can people watch the races? Okay, well, the best way of watching the race is to go to it. Um, and Volusia Speedway is about 20 minutes ride or drive due west from Daytona Beach. And the dates of 12th and 13th of March are right in the middle of Bike Week. So if you have any people listening to this uh, who are coming down to Bike Week, they've got to come along to Volusia. It is a classic half mile. Um, it's a fast half mile, a great grandstand, you see all the action. Um, we're going to have a lot of other fun and games going on during that week. Vendors there and bike demo rides and all kinds of things all week, um, culminating in the, uh, in the two race nights, uh, Friday and Saturday. So I would say if you can come to a race, come and see it in person. If you can't, however, you know, if you're part of the 95% of the population who don't happen to be anywhere near Daytona Beach that week, there, there are a couple of other ways um, of watching the sport. If you want to watch it live, um, and that includes the practice and the qualifying and all the heat races, um, if you want to watch it live, then you need to get a track pass, which is an NBC sports platform. Um, it's, a, it's available on the NBC Gold uh, app. Uh, so you can download the app and you can subscribe to track pass and you can get to see all the racing all year um, for $1.99 a month, which um, is, a, is a bit of an introductory price as we transition more and more of the sport to that. So it's a bargain at the moment. Um, I see sports that want $99 a year uh, to subscribe and I'm not even talking NFL. There are average sports that want to do that. So we're at the moment a pretty, a pretty cheap date. Um, so that's, uh, that's track pass on NBC gold or alternatively, you can watch the AFT show, which is, um, uh, a one hour show, which, uh, highlights, uh, action during the day and then shows you pretty much all of the main events and gives you, uh, under the helmet interviews and background and so on. And that's on NBC sports network, which is a, which is a, a cable channel. So Great. there are plenty of ways of consuming AFT. Okay, well, we'll we'll include some in the show notes. We'll include some of those details so some of our listeners can can find that. So, um, Michael, you've been very generous with your time and given us a great overview of American Flat Track. Is there anything else you'd like to tell listeners about the upcoming 2021 season? Well, look, I mean, I know I know your magazine pretty well. I've known your magazine for a long, long time. And I know that you pride yourself on really covering like the spectrum of, of, of motorcycle sport and hobby. Um, and, and what I would say to, uh, to, to your fans and to your listeners is flat track really is the glue of motorcycle sport. You know, you've got road racing on one side, which is super high tech and super fast. And, and you've got motocross and supercross on the other side. We touch both of them. Anyone who likes road racing is going to relate to flat track straight away. But also anyone who likes supercross and motocross is going to get it. They're going to get because it's on dirt and there are motocross bikes involved. So I would say to 
you know, to anyone listening to this, uh, whatever discipline of motorcycling they're involved in, and you know what, they may not even be into road racing or or cross. They may be a they may be a big tourer guy. Well, if you're a big tourer guy, chances are you own a Harley or an Indian <laughs> with Absolutely. maybe seventy percent market share. So so come along and cheer on your brand. You know, we really are the doors wide open sport um, that anyone can come and enjoy it. It's um, unlike other forms of, uh, of motorsport, we have several races during an evening. You know, we will have nine races uh, during an evening from heat races and semis and main events. And the longest race you will ever see is 15 minutes long. So it is bang, bang, bang. And so it's a lot of action and then it's over and then there's another race. So it's, it's fun. Um, it even appeals to the ADD generation. Um, uh, we, we cater for everybody here. Um, so I would say, give, give it a go. It's easy to get into. It's a lot of fun and it celebrates everything that's good about motorcycle. That sounds great, Michael. I really appreciate your time. Uh, again, uh, we'll have information about American Flat Track in the show notes uh, for the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast. I'm Greg Drevenstead. Thanks for listening and keep the rubber side down.